0: Lord, what great words to sing and to express as we come to open Your Word together. And Lord, our desire this morning is to hear from You, Lord. Thank You for the precious gift of Your Word, words of life and truth, Lord. Lives that transform our lives, Lord. So we just want to pray now as we open our hearts to You, that You'd speak to each one. You'd lead us as Your people, we pray. We'd be open to all that You have for us, we ask. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to add my welcome to you. It's so great to have you sharing with us, particularly if this is your first time joining with us here at Bridgman. I trust you'll feel right at home with us. Those linking in online as well, great to have you connecting in. Uh, my name's Nathan. I'm the senior pastor here at Bridgman. And it's a real joy to be um, sharing God's Word with you this morning as we continue in this series we're in, in the book of Jeremiah. And over the last few weeks, we've just been seeking um, God's heart, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us through this book, through Jeremiah's life, his, his witness, his the words of truth contained here. And if you're just linking in with us today, I want to give you a quick recap of the context of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet who spoke in the period around 600 BC and he lived in a very troubled and turbulent times. There was a shift taking place in the world at that time amongst the global superpowers and Assyria had been the dominant world power for... Um, at least 100 years, alongside Egypt and Babylon. But there was a shift beginning to take place and Babylon was rising to ascendancy. And Israel, God's people, were caught up, very much so, in the middle of all of this that was taking place. But it wasn't only these external influences that were having an impact and causing a lot of trouble and turmoil. It was also things that were taking place within Israel itself. There was political, social, financial and moral Decay that had led to the, to the nation's demise. In a very short period of time, in fact, things had been going downhill. It sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? When you listen to this context, things are very relevant, what we're looking at here in Jeremiah for us today as well. People are living uh, with much fear, much uncertainty about the future, and there was this underlying, this pervading sense of um, just lostness and hopelessness um, that was prevailing. And uh, the reason for all of this taking place, the, the the Scriptures tell us it was because the people had turned from God and they'd begun living for themselves. And God had called Jeremiah to step into this situation and minister to the people, proclaiming God's truth and to be a light in the darkness and bring hope where there was so much hopelessness. And uh, he this is it was a key theme, as we've seen a key theme of Jeremiah, in fact, that Jeremiah would come to say, there is hope for the future if you will turn to God, if you'll turn to Him. There is a hope. And this call for Jeremiah certainly wasn't a, a call to a comfortable and easy life, that's for sure. It was a really tough and costly call for him. There was a lot of opposition and hardship that he would face along the way. Uh, when you read Jeremiah, you quickly realise just how full on, just how costly this call was for him. Jeremiah's reputation was continually undermined right throughout. In Jeremiah 20, we read that he was beaten up and he was put in stocks. In Jeremiah 26, we read that death sentence was pronounced over him. In Jeremiah 36, we read that all of his work, as he'd recorded God's word to him on scrolls, which would have taken a lot of time, the scrolls where he had recorded this were burnt up by the king. In Jeremiah 38, we read that he was left to die in a cistern. And perhaps worst of all, despite all of this cost, all of the hardship he endured, he didn't see much fruit, if any, in fact, from his ministry. And we know that there were some pretty dark moments for Jeremiah, where he um, let God know how he was feeling, saying, God, this is not what I signed up for. This is not how it was meant to unfold. And we read of these moments where he just felt like giving up, really dark times for him. But despite all the challenges and the seeming unanswered prayers and the lack of fruit, he just kept going, Jeremiah. He kept persevering in faith. He kept showing up again and again. He stayed the course. He was in, uh, just continued to follow in faithful obedience despite everything around him. And this is a key theme of the book of Jeremiah. This persistent and persevering faith that we see demonstrated through his life, through his testimony. This, this way he was able just to keep showing up. And there's something significant about just showing up, isn't there? There's something actually quite powerful in that. I was reading recently about a personal trainer and uh, how he helps people. It was an interview that was recorded. And the interviewer asked, what do you say to your clients when they're struggling to keep their commitment? What do you say when they feel like giving up? And he said, I simply tell them, just show up. That's what I say to them. In fact, he said, hanging on the wall of my gym, I have this big sign with bold letters that just read, just show up, is what he said. He says, just showing up makes a statement. It says, I'm here. I'm not doing things the way I've always done them. I'm not giving up. How true is it? Just showing up can be incredibly powerful. You know, I think the the same can be true of our spiritual journey. There's so much to be said for just showing up, just being there in God's presence with God's people, worshiping together, getting into those groups together with others, just showing up. In chapter 25, at the very centre of the book of Jeremiah and right at the midpoint of Jeremiah's prophetic career is this word persistently. And we see this word persistently again and again across the entire book of Jeremiah. In Hebrew, the word is hashkem, which is quite significant. I'll come back to that in a moment. But this word persistently, listen to Jeremiah 25, verse three to five. This is what it says. For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Amon, king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me and I have spoken persistently. There's that word, persistently to you. But you have not listened. You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear. Although the Lord persistently, there it is again, sent to you all His servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now every one of you from His evil way and, the, and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and forever." 23 years of pouring your life out and praying for breakthrough and ministering and seeing very little response, if any, it's pretty discouraging when you're in that place, isn't it? And yet we see Jeremiah, he just keeps persevering. He keeps sharing. He keeps ministering faithfully day in, day out. He's only halfway through his prophetic calling at this point. He still has another 20 years to go. We know from from looking at the book of Jeremiah. But this word persistently is right there, is as key theme, key part of Jeremiah's um, spiritual journey. And this word is not only right at the centre of the book of Jeremiah, in the centre of his life, but it's spread out right across the book of Jeremiah. We see this word turn up again and again and again. This word hashkem, persistently. This is let me give you some examples just to give you the weight. I want you to feel the weight of this right across the book of Jeremiah. I won't give you all of them because we'll be here all day, but just a few, Jeremiah seven thirteen, And now because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen. And when I called you, you did not answer. Then Jeremiah 11, verses seven and eight. For I solemnly warned your fathers when I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, warning them persistently, even to this day, saying, obey my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear. Jeremiah 29, 19, because they did not pay attention to my words, declares the Lord, that I persistently sent to you by my servants, the prophets, but you would not listen, declares the Lord. And Jeremiah 35, 15, I've sent... To you, all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently saying, turn now every one of you from his evil way and amend your deeds. And then Jeremiah 44.4, four, yet I persistently sent to you all my servants, the prophets saying, I do not do this abomination that I hate. And there are even more examples right across the book. It just keeps coming up again and again, this theme of persistence, of persevering in faith. Now, what I don't know about you, but when I read this, it doesn't sound particularly exciting or appealing to me. Persistence, perseverance, it sounds fairly dull, showing up, doing the same things again and again. It sounds a bit routine, uh, monotonous, tedious, wearisome. Uh, these are the sort of things that come to my mind. And let's be honest, words like this, words like commitment and patience and persistence and perseverance, they aren't exactly buzzwords in our culture today, are they? Definitely not. In fact, I read something from Carl Fayes recently that said the following. It was titled, Good Things Take Time. And this is what he said. We live in such an instant society. We stand in front of microwaves wondering what's taking so long. <laughs> we hate lines and waiting in queues on the phone and, and, on the, and waiting on, in queues on the phone drives us nuts. Right now, waiting for the coronavirus crisis to be over is testing all of our patients. But the one time I actually actually appreciate waiting is for a good coffee, he says. We all know that we can make instant coffee, boil the kettle, throw in the instant granules and there it is, coffee. But there is something special, either in cafes or at home, about waiting for a great coffee. Standing in the queue while the aroma of fresh coffee wafts over us. You get to do this later on. We appreciate the wait as we know the result is well worth it. And then he says this, he says this is a small but significant reminder that the things in life that really matter, take time. The growing of deep relationships, the crafting of mature character in our lives and the growth of personal faith. Maturity in our faith, he says, is not gonna be instant. God is slowly and assuredly modeling and building us. Don't give up too soon. Allow God time to build your faith. It's like great coffee, worth the wait. (laughs) So true. I remember reading a quote um, some years ago that has always stuck with me. It says, we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year, but we so easily underestimate what can be done in 10 years. There's something about persevering in faith, isn't there? The persisting commitment, dedication. God is always looking at that long-term big picture. We're often focused on the short-term, but God's perspective is so much greater. Now, I wanna be clear here as we're talking about persistence, persistence and persevering, that doesn't mean that there aren't different seasons for us on the journey. The Bible actually tells us that there is a season for everything. There are times when God calls us to move in a different direction, to release something, to step out in faith in a new way. And maybe that is God's call for you this morning where He has you. And that can be, I just wanna acknowledge, that can be equally as hard and equally take a lot of faith, particularly when we've invested a long time in something, poured our lives into something and then God tells us, okay, it's time to release it. Doesn't belong to you, release it and give it to me and then step into a new season. That can require enormous amount of faith and trust as well. But this theme of Persevering, persistent faith, I think is so relevant in the culture in which we live today. We're so tempted just to jump around from one thing to the next. And this theme is so central here in Jeremiah. In fact, it is central to the stories of all the heroes of the faith recorded in the scriptures, not just in the Bible, but across all of history. In fact, this theme is central. We look at their faith and we're in awe. And a big part of their journey is this understanding of what it means to persevere in faith to not give up. And the reason why this is so central to each one of these stories is because of this. It's because following Jesus is not a call to a comfortable and easy life. Just like for Jeremiah, it's a call to step in to the brokenness and the pain and the mess of this world so that we can bring hope and life in Jesus. But I wanna tell you, that's not an easy call. It's not a call to comfort and ease. It involves laying our lives down for the sake of the good news of the gospel, for the sake of his kingdom. It's a call to die to ourselves continually, though our wants, our desires, our plans, and instead to choose to live for Jesus as we serve him and share with others this good news that he has entrusted to us. Jesus explained it like this in Luke 9 verse 23. He says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And following Jesus means following the way of the cross. It's a call to die to ourselves again and again. And this way of the cross isn't the calling of just a few. It's not just for the Jeremiah's or others. It is actually the stamp of every believer's life. Every person following Jesus. There's this memorable passage concerning Jeremiah's life when worn down by opposition, absorbed in self-pity. He was about to capitulate and abandon this unique calling in God and settle for being a Jerusalem statistic, so to speak. He was ready to give up. We actually read about it. It's recorded in in Jeremiah chapter 12. And it was at this critical moment that God speaks to Jeremiah. And what he says is perhaps not what you would expect. It's definitely not what I would have expected God to say in this moment. This is what God says to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 12 verse five. Remember, he's just ready to give up. It's too hard. He says this to him. Jeremiah, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? This is a bit of a tough word from God to Jeremiah. Eugene Peterson comments on this passage saying, God is saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, life is difficult. Are you gonna quit at the first wave of opposition? What do you want, Jeremiah? A tame and domesticated life? Are you gonna live cautiously or are you gonna live courageously? I called you to a life of purpose far beyond what you think you are capable of living and promised you adequate strength to fulfill your destiny. If you are fatigued by this run-of-the-mill crowd, what will you do when the real race starts? The race with swift and determined horses. Do you want to shuffle along with this crowd or run with the horses? Talk about a tough word, (laughs) a bit of a tough word to Jeremiah. God certainly doesn't into a pity party for him. You know, I was thinking about this though. If your team um, that you're supporting it gets to halftime and they're not doing so well, what do you want your coach to say to your team at halftime? You don't want them to say, it's okay, guys. Don't worry, let's just go into the rooms. Let's not worry about it. Oh, you poor guy, you know. You don't want your coach to say that to your team. You want them to tell them, come on, we've got another half to go. Let's, let's, you want the coach to galvanise, to, 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 to really um, help the team to understand, hey, there's more yet to do, come on. Let's strengthen, let's step in. And God does the same for Jeremiah at this this point, the halfway mark in a sense of his journey. He says, come on, there's more to come. And Peterson continues, he says, it's unlikely I think that Jeremiah was spontaneous or quick in his reply to God's question. The ecstatic ideals of a new life had been splattered by the world's cynicism. The euphoric impetus of youthful enthusiasm no longer carried him anymore. He weighed the options, he counted the cost, he tossed and turned in hesitation and the response when it came was not verbal but biographical. His life became his answer. He said, I wanna run with the horses. This was Jeremiah's response. Some time back I came across the story of Adoniram Judson in a book that I was reading. Um. Judson, maybe you've heard his story, Judson was a, um, a missionary to Burma where he established 63 churches and personally led over 6,000 Burmese to faith in Christ. But it wasn't easy, that's for sure. He was 22 when he made the decision to leave America to become a missionary and he set fa- sail for India. But when he and his pregnant wife arrived, they, they wouldn't let them in to the na- into the country. And so for three weeks, the two of them were stuck at sea. And his wife gave birth on that boat in the middle of a storm and the baby died. they hadn't even got ashore yet. Then when they did get to shore for the first six and a half years, he shared the gospel every day and not one person in Burma came to faith. Financial supporters in America backed away and told him, I think it's time to come home. I think it's time to give up. He was scattering the seeds faithfully, even sacrificially, yet God, would bring no harvest. He kept perspective, he kept praying, he kept preaching. Judson was eventually put in prison for that preaching. He would be chained so that his back, his shoulders and head were on the ground. His legs would be held high off the ground in stocks. And for a period of several years, he was in that position. He slept, ate and used the restroom in that position. His wife and three children would die in Burma. His second wife and their two children would also die in Burma. Time and time again, he could have felt sorry for himself and quit, but he never gave up. It was anything but easy. And he could have decided to quit. There were a number of easy careers back home that were offered to him, but he loved Jesus and he was certain in his calling. So he chose to persevere. And today there are some 3,700 churches in Burma that trace their beginning directly back to that day Adoniram Judson set sail from America. Talk about persevering faith. Talk about counting the cost and running with horses. And these stories, they're inspiring, aren't they? They're challenging. But so often we we can read them and think, well, faith like that, God, that's beyond me. That's far beyond me. There's no way I could have a faith like that. And so the question becomes, how does someone like Adoniram Judson persevere in faith like that? How did Jeremiah learn to live with such persistent obedience and persevering faith? How do they do it? Well, we gain a clue in the meaning of this Hebrew word for persistence, this word hashkem that I mentioned before. The word was used, this word that keeps showing up right across Jeremiah again and again. The word was used to describe the activity of people who got up early in the morning because they had to make a long journey with a heavy load. And when travelling in a hot country like Israel, it was important to get in as much distance as you could before the heat of the day set in. We still do something similar today, don't we? Just recently as a family, we did a trip, a driving trip out to Longreach and Winton. And on the first day we left, we had to drive seven hours in the car. And so we got up early in the morning, like really early uh, at dawn to hit the road to so we could get started. And it wasn't so much around trying to beat the heat of the day, but it was trying to beat the traffic out of Brisbane was really what we were trying to do. But we still do a similar thing. We get up early to start the day's journey. And literally this word Hashkem has a, has a sunrise in it. it it's, it's a key part of the The root of this word. And a number of Bible scholars have made the connection between the word Hashcom and Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 24. According to tradition, Lamentations was also written by Jeremiah the prophet. And so I want you to listen to these words and see this key that we, we capture here as to how Jeremiah was able to live in such persevering, persistent faith despite all the obstacles he faced. This is what Lamentations 3, 22 to 24 says. Jeremiah Most likely speaking here, says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. What an incredible truth! How can someone get up for 23 years and keep preaching the message that no one wants to hear? How can a person get up and face ridicule and suffering year after year after year? Well, the answer lies in the truth that the new day doesn't belong to those who are indifferent or antagonistic. The new day, each new day belongs to God. It's His day. And our perseverance in the faith does not result because of our determination or our great spiritual stamina. That's not how we do it, but it's because God sticks with us. It is His great faithfulness that is the key to persevering faith. And as God stuck with Jeremiah again and again, so Jeremiah learned to stick with God right across the journey of his life. It literally was one day at a time for Jeremiah. Each new morning, as he rose, he would take hold of God's unfailing love and faithfulness for that day and his mercies that were new for that morning. That is the key for Jeremiah's persevering faith. And that is what brought the steadiness of purpose that grew a resilience in his spirit, which became stronger and stronger in the midst of every setback and suffering of those 23 years. And the next 20 years, that was still to come for him. Just last Sunday, I was talking to a couple here in our church, Andrew and Yolanda, who served in, in, uh, in Ghana for a number of years. They're actually here in the service with us this morning. And they were just telling me a little bit of their journey, of some of the years that they spent over there. And they were very excited, just could so resonate with Tim and Mel as they shared with us last week as part of our missions conference. And Yolanda was sharing with me how at one particular point in time, it was just all too much. Just wave of challenge after challenge. Regularly their lives were at risk. They were telling me just a couple of stories that I was sharing with them. And she said to me, I remember driving in the car one particular day and just... Pouring her heart out to God, saying, God, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. It's just one challenge after another, after another. This is too hard. I'm overwhelmed. I can't take anymore. I give up, God. And She said no sooner had she expressed this prayer of her heart to God, as she was driving along, she saw a big sign on the side of the road. A big sign, not a little, but quite a big one. And on that sign were the words in big print, don't do not give up and Yolanda couldn't believe what she was seeing. but she knew in her heart where it was coming from it was God speaking to her saying hey I'm with you still I'm still here don't give up keep pressing on And you can hear so clearly in that story, can't you, that that our perseverance in the faith, it's not because of our determination. It wasn't because of Yolanda's determination, her great spiritual stamina. It was because she realised, was reminded again of God's great faithfulness. That God sticks with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. It is His great faithfulness, His steadfast love that is the key to persevering in faith and, and obedience. You know, I was thinking about this message for us as a church. Next year, we're coming up to 30 years of ministry in this community and beyond. And over this time, we have held thousands of prayer meetings, hosted hundreds of community events, given away um, hundreds of thousands of dollars to help others. We've welcomed thousands of people. Uh, here onto the property stepped forward in faith to plant churches we've established new ministries hundreds of connect groups have met together to study God's word countless courses have been run a lot of toilets have been cleaned I was thinking about that over the years a lot of toilets floors vacuumed chairs stacked um, grass mowed hedges trimmed cars directed people welcome kids programs run just so much has been poured in over that time. And I was thinking, Lord, 30 years, that is a long time and that is a big effort and that is a lot of work. All of these things, they take energy, don't they, and effort. They take a lot of cost and sacrifice along the way. And now added to that, I was thinking, God, 30 years is a long time and now COVID's come along and just complicated things, a whole lot more challenges added to the list. And I was thinking, well, maybe God, it's time to take a bit easier. Maybe it's time to... So let's pull back a little bit. After all, we've got a good reason to pull back with COVID. Everyone would understand. Interestingly enough, we were talking about our Christmas lights outreach around the lunch table about a month or so ago now. Just somehow it came up in conversation. We're talking about how we would do our lights. Could we do our Christmas lights? It would be risky to try and, you know, Host host an event like this with you know could come into lockdown any time we could lose a considerable amount of money if you book things in and then you have to cancel it that's always a big risk. Um, How would we you know welcome people with the restrictions we'd be under all this extra planning and measures we need to put in place as we're talking about? I'm thinking, man, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. It's not going to be easy this year to do it if we can do it at all. There's a lot of extra effort, a lot of risk involved so after lunch, as we were just talking about, I decided to go out for a bit of a walk around the property just to see what might be possible, how we could think creatively around it. And Pastor Peter came with me for a walk. And together we were just walking around, looking at the options. And uh, we've been over in A2, looking at the space over there. And as we were walking back over towards the entrance to A1 here, um, Kirsty Williams, one of the young adults, actually just walked, happened to be walking out of the entrance to A1. I think she'd been in a meeting or a prayer meeting or something, and she was coming out. And as she saw us, she... Um, came directly to us we could tell that she wanted to talk to us and uh, she had no idea what we were doing what we were walking around at the time doing but she came up to us she said oh I'm so glad I saw you both as soon as I saw you in fact she said I knew I had to share something with you that God had put on my heart said several weeks ago now I had a vision of Bridgie at the Christmas lights with lots of people around and God just kept repeating to me it will happen it will happen it will happen she said, at the time, I wasn't really sure what this meant. It seemed a little bit strange to me, but I just wrote it down and sort of disregarded it. But she said, then just last week, I was catching up with my mentor, Kathy, and I happened to mention it to her. And she encouraged me, saying, God's entrusted you with this, this vision. Be faithful to God. Just tell Nathan, and Nathan can do with it what he wants. And Kirsty said, I still was not really feeling super comfortable about." You know, sharing it's not really who I am. And so she said, I prayed to God, I said, God, well, if, this, if you really want me to share this, would you give me an opportunity just to share it with Nathan? And she said, As soon as I walked out that door and I saw you walking to me, I knew God had just opened up this opportunity. So I want to give you this vision, this picture of the Christmas lights. God said, It will happen. It will happen. Well, Kirsty had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> Here we are walking around the property from a random seemingly random discussion at the lunch table saying, God, what do do you want for the Christmas lights? How are we gonna do this? Can we do this? And God in that moment would send Kirsty out to Peter and myself to tell us this vision to say, it's gonna happen. This is my heart. I long for more people to come to know me. Yes, there's gonna be challenges. Yes, it's gonna be not always easy at times. Yes, there's gonna be costs involved, but this is my heart. And I thought, what a picture again of the faithfulness of God. How good of God to give us as a church that picture. This is what I'm talking about, His great faithfulness, His steadfast love. This is how you persevere in faith. You press into Him, you stand firm on who He is, His, His steadfast love, His faithfulness, His mercies are in you every morning. And I want to tell you, I walked away from that and I told Kirsty, well, Kirsty, this is the story. And she was encouraged, having obediently followed the the prompting that God had given her. But what a story for us, church, to strengthen us afresh. And I realized walking away from that, that, that God is calling us as a church afresh. He's calling us to keep going, to stay the course. God's not finished yet. There's so much more. That he longs to do. And yes, challenges will come. And yes, there will be sacrifices required. There'll be opposition at times. It's gonna require a lot of energy and effort and perseverance. There is a cost involved. And yes, there's gonna be hurts and pains and disappointments along the way because we're all broken, sinful people in need of God's sanctifying and healing power in our lives. That's the reality. And there'll be a lot more toilets to clean and floors to vacuum and chairs to stack, gardens to weed, people to welcome, resources to give away and to sow into sacrificially. And you know what? A lot of it is pretty mundane, repetitive, ordinary stuff where we just show up. But is it worth it? You bet it is. It's so worth it. When a person is blessed in Jesus' name, when a person comes to faith and is set free and finds forgiveness and hope and healing in the name of Jesus, when a community begins to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit where this pervading hopelessness is overcome with the light and the love that is found in the gospel of Jesus, is it worth it? It's so worth it. When we hear those baptism stories of lives transformed, by the grace of God, is it worth it? It's so worth it. You know, when we get to heaven, which is our true home, isn't it? We're just passing through here. But when we get to heaven and we're fellowshipping together and worshipping Jesus together, do you think we're gonna regret choosing to pour our lives out for the sake of the gospel? Do you think we're gonna look back and regret that? Well, I wanna tell you, we are not gonna regret it at all. I know this for sure because it actually says it in God's Word in 2 Corinthians 4 is what it says. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Whatever troubles, whatever trials, whatever costs we may bear for the sake of the gospel in this life, the eternal glory to come, it far, far outweighs it all. We're not gonna look back and think, oh, that was hard going. We're gonna look back and say, God, it was so worth it. And this morning, the call from God to us corporately as His people is not to pull back, not to allow the challenges or obstacles to overcome overcome us because there is so much more God longs to do. The need is so great, isn't it true? And God is looking for people who are willing to say, yes, I will count the cost. I'm willing to step in. I I wanna run with, with the horses. That's what I wanna do. I'll commit to your kingdom cause, Jesus. I'll put my roots down deep. I'll give my life away. I won't let the relational hurts and pains or disappointments derail me, but instead I'll I'll seek to be full of your grace and forgiveness and love. And every act of humble, persevering faith, not not done in drudgery or reluctantly or out of duty, but with this joy and thankfulness in our heart. Every Every act of persevering faith like that, it moves God's heart and opens the way for so much more He is yet to do. As we just keep showing up, serving Jesus, telling others the good news. And perhaps some of you this morning, this is a word for you personally as well. Maybe online, as you're listening and you realise this is a word for you personally as well. You're facing some of the deep trials and challenges of life's journey and just like Jeremiah had in those moments, you were thinking, God, I didn't sign up for this. This wasn't part of the plan. This is how things were meant to work out. And maybe it just seems all too hard. Maybe a work situation, a relationship circumstance in the middle of a health challenge, a person you've been praying for, a ministry. I don't know what it is for you. Perhaps you've begun pulling back. Perhaps you've been feeling like it's just too much. Perhaps you've been feeling like giving up or maybe you have already given up, doubting God's faithfulness. Or hear God's word to you this morning. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, God. I came across this anonymous piece of prose as I was preparing for this message that just sort of resonated with me. Now I'm more left-brain, analytical, logical, and um, creativity is not really my main gift. And I, I was keen, maybe, for someone a bit more creative than me to read it, but I couldn't organise it because I was had it all organised too late. But so you're stuck with me this morning is basically what I'm saying. But I want to read this to you. That's when I just want to allow the Spirit of God just to speak to you through this. This is what it says: I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence or prosperity or position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognised, praised, regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, live by prayer and labour by His power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way rough, my guide reliable and my mission clear. I cannot be bought, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till He comes, give till I drop, preach till all know and work till He stops me. And when He comes for His own, He will have no problem recognising me. Amen. Amen. Let's run with the Horses Church. This is God's call for us to persevere, to step in because it's so worth it. Will you stand with me as we pray together? Heavenly Father, we stand in your presence this morning, your holy presence. We thank you for your word to us today, corporately and individually, Lord. And as your people, we just want to say, Lord, Lord, we're available. We want to step in again, Lord. We don't want to pull back. We don't want to shrink back, Lord. We want to count the cost, Lord. We want to give of our lives for the greatest cause there ever is, the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others might know this good news, be set free, find healing and forgiveness and hope in you, Jesus, Lord, we know this is your calling for each and every one of us, Lord. This isn't the mark of just some. This is for all who would follow you, Lord. You say, this is part of it. This is part of the journey. And as we persevere in faith, as we press into the things you have for us, oh Lord, the blessing that can come as we don't give up, we keep trusting in you, Lord. And we wanna declare, Lord, this isn't about our spiritual stamina, our determination, Lord, but this is about you and your faithfulness to us, great God. This is about your steadfast love. And so Lord, we press into that afresh this morning. We stand on that afresh this morning. Thank you for that beautiful affirmation for us as a church you gave to us, Lord, to remind us of your steadfast love and your great faithfulness, that word you gave to Kirsty for us for this very season that you're calling us into. Oh Lord, we we wanna see a blessing poured out in this community, Lord. We wanna see hundreds, thousands of people come to hear the hope this very Christmas we pray, Lord. We know, Lord, that there is a hopelessness, a lostness that pervades our culture, Lord. We sense it, we see it, we know it, we hear about it all the time. So, Lord, we wanna step in just like Jeremiah. We wanna step into the pain, the brokenness of our world. We wanna bring this message of hope and life in You. And so, Lord, I wanna say thank You. Thank You for so many who have given sacrificially, poured their lives out, cleaned toilets, vacuumed floors, just showed up again and again and again over the last 30 years, Lord. And again, we say, Lord, we're available, we wanna step in again because there is more you are yet to do, so much more. Lord, I wanna pray for some personally. I know this has been a word for today. In the midst of the trials of this life, Lord, the challenges that can so easily overwhelm us. Well, Lord, I pray you bless them this morning. Strengthen them this morning, Lord. Strengthen them. Where well, the enemy is trying to pull them down, discourage them, Lord. Remind them again of your words of truth your steadfast love, your compassions, Lord, that never fail, your great, great faithfulness. Bless them, strengthen them this morning, I pray. And so Lord, now we just wanna respond in worship to you. We wanna express our heart's desire this morning. Declare your faithfulness, your steadfast love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. amen. We're gonna sing this song together, church, just as we express our hearts, some beautiful words in here about trusting in Him, stepping in for all that He would have for us. Let's worship Him together as we continue now just to respond.
1: This is the only one.
0: of the prayer of our heart this morning we put our hope our faith our trust in you alone Lord the foundation that you have given to us sure and steadfast And so, Lord, I pray a blessing on each and every one Lord you know all the individual situations and circumstances Lord bless strengthen us as your followers to live for you wherever you have placed us I pray and so Lord we just want to tell you we love you thank you for the opportunity to be caught up in your incredible plans and purposes and Lord, I just pray You'll bless and help us and lead us this week. We ask, we pray this in Your Name. Amen. Please be seated. So good to have you sharing with us today. A reminder, just if you're new, we have our Connections Lounge up the back. You're welcome to Connect there. And if you'd like prayer, our prayer team will be down the front here. They'd love to pray for you today online. You can email through to prayer at But God bless you. Thanks so much for sharing with us.